from our church. They were so sweet. They brought sleepy time tea and everything else so I would get a good night's rest because I was scared to death and I still am. <laughs> I was, I told him this morning, I told Sister Diane and Bertha, I said, well, I said, we each have to be ourselves. I can't be Sister Trout. I can't be Sister Tenny. I can't be Sister Mangan. I just have to be me. So I'm just going to speak to you from me today, <laughs> with the help of the Lord, of course. <clears throat> I talked with uh, Sister Barnett earlier, and some of these things that I'm going to talk to you this morning, some of you may be so uh, far advanced that you don't need this. If you don't, great. Stick it in your pocket, and maybe if some person comes along later and needs this, then you can bring it out and help them with it. But I've thought so much about our position as women. We have teenagers here. We have ladies here that are unmarried. We have ladies here that are married. We have mothers. We have grandmothers. But first, we have to start out as daughters. And as daughters, we have to be obedient to our parents. If we want to be good Christians, we have to be obedient to them because they have the authority over us. And we need to learn how to be a lady when we're teenagers because this is our early years and what we learn then will help us later on. We need to learn how to cook. Just in some basic things. I know some girls that are getting married, they have no idea how to cook. And I really feel sorry for their husbands because they're going to be eating our soup cans and everything else. But you really need to learn how to do these things. You need to learn how to be a homemaker. You need to learn to be creative. Some people think, well, I'm a housewife. That is so drab. Well, some people take down that they're artists because they're so creative in their homes. You don't have to be a drab homemaker. Do use what God has given you. Have a sweet and meek spirit and be Christ-like. And this is something you need to develop at a real early age. And we also have wives here. Now, this is something that sometimes we have trouble with, and that is submitting to the man that God gave us. And we need to make our homes a place where that man loves to come home to. I have young men that will come to me, and I'll say, what are you doing over here? And they say, well, this is the only place I can get peace and quiet. If I go home, my wife yells at me. And that's bad when a man has to leave his home to go to a friend's house or go to a shopping mall or just someplace away from home just so he can get peace and quiet. Know him, know his dislikes and his likes. Strive to please him, and you'll have harmony in your home. Be creative at all times. Have a romantic meal every now and then. It doesn't hurt you to bring out your best silver and your if you don't have silver, your silverware, your stainless steel, whatever you have, set a nice table. Put a candle on the table. Make him feel special. You may not have anything but beans and hamburger meat, but you can still make it special because you have the man that God gave you. And don't be a nagger. Don't constantly nag your husband because 
he's not happy with it. You're not happy with it. It's like Sister Trout said last night about people not wanting to be around pessimistic people. Husbands don't like to be around naggers either. Okay, wives that work, and a lot of, a lot of our wives work. How many women that are wives work? Raise your hand. I think Sister Trout had you do that last night. A lot of our women do work, and a lot of them work because they have to. Some work because they want to. But the, the Bible tells us to be submissive regardless of whether we work or whether we don't work, right? Some women have told me, my husband does not work. Maybe he got laid off. Maybe he can't find a job. And he, maybe he has a job and he doesn't make as much as she does. And they have told me, I am not being submissive to him until he makes as much money as I do or unless he brings home the money. As long as I bring home the money, then I'm boss. Now, is that what the Bible tells us? No. If our husband doesn't ever bring home a penny, and sometimes our husbands, some husbands can't work. Some husbands are, may have disabilities or something. But whether... Your husband works whether he doesn't work, whether he can work, or whether he can't work or doesn't want to work. It doesn't matter. God tells us we have to be submissive to him. This is the thing that we, when we said, I do, that was just part of it. You're not only submitting to your husband, you're also submitting to God because you're following the chain of command that God has given us. In Titus 2 and 5, it says, To be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. So we need to, to be obedient. We need to be obedient to our pastors. We need to be obedient to those that have their, the leadership over us. Also, motivate yourself. I've had some ladies come in the office and ask me, their husbands like to be organized, and they have an awful time getting organized, and they, don't, they just don't know how. They think they, sometimes you think you're organized. Sometimes I think I'm so organized until Brother Grant comes along and I find out I'm not organized at all. In fact, I told Sister Nelson last night, I said, I think Brother Grant took lessons from Sister Trout. And his sister's right here, and she can vouch for that. He is what you might call a workaholic. He cannot stand to see anyone sitting down if there's something to be done. And I told him one night we have family night every Monday night. And I like, on family night, I like to just kind of relax with the family. Not him. He likes to start these outrageous projects and work and work and work and work. Well, that's not bad every now and then, but... Sometimes you like to relax, too. But motivate yourself. Put your plans on paper. If you have, write down on their tasks that you have to do daily, and then do ta uh, write down the tasks that you need to do weekly. There's some things that you don't have to do every day, like maybe laundry. Some, sometimes I think at our house we have to do laundry every day, especially towels. <laughs> But do your weekly task and then do the things that you need to do monthly. And then, of course, there's things that you need to do yearly, which we call spring house cleaning, that you just really go through and just clean everything. Remind yourself of the benefits. 
You'll have a happy husband when he comes home because your house is clean. You'll be content. Your children will be content because you're happy and they sense that. If you're not happy and you're discontent and you're disorganized, believe it or not, your children, no matter how small they are, they know that. And it affects them. Avoid procrastination. Get up early. Read your Bible. Spend some time in prayer and spend some time with God. Your day starts so much better when you do this. If you get up and you're running late and you think, well, I won't do that right now. I'll, I'll do it later on during the day when I have time. Your day does not go very well at all. In fact, you'll find things happening and you'll, you'll get so upset and so just uptight and you wonder what in the world is wrong with me and then you think wait a minute I didn't pray this morning and I didn't read my Bible or spend my time with the Lord and that really makes a difference set deadlines remind yourself what will happen if you don't have the meals on time how many of you wives your husbands like the meals ready pretty regular I know when brother Grant and I first got married I didn't know really when he was or when we first went in the ministry rather I didn't know when he would really be home so I'd have something sort of ready but not really ready because I didn't know what time he'd be there and my my thinking was I don't want it to get cold and then we didn't have the microwave that you could just pop in and warm up and so his favorite slogan was are we going to eat tonight so I learned it was ready when he walked in. If it was rubbery, it was just rubbery. <laughs> so I had it ready. Also, what happens when he comes home and he has to go someplace and his shirts aren't ironed or his socks aren't clean? A happy husband makes a contented home, right? Promise yourself rewards. If you get done early and you have some extra time, like Sister Trout, lay on your couch and sleep for an hour. No one's going to know it. Just close your door. Maybe you like to crochet or knit or do cross-stitching or, or you like to read. Treat yourself with these type of things. Or some ladies like to go out and buy hats or things like this, if this is allowed by your husband. Some women, every time they get depressed, and I know of one in general, she likes to go out and buy a hat. Either she's not depressed very much or her husband's bankroll must be flat. <laughs> be flexible. Things are going to come up. Like Sister Trout said, you're going to be right in the middle of your cleaning. The phone's going to ring. It's going to be a dear sister that's got a super problem, and they just have to come over and talk to you about it. Some things are going to happen. There's no way you're going to rule those out. You may have an emergency at the hospital or something. Life just goes that way. But the best thing to do is when you deal with the situation that comes up, just pull yourself back together and get right back to work. I know when Brother Grant and I lived in La Crosse, it seemed like we had someone at our house all the time, and I was so nervous. I was just uptight if things weren't just so-so. I'd get so, I was just miserable, let's face it. And so finally I came to grips with myself and I thought I can just do what I can. If things come up, I just have to cope with it. So I learned to do that and it works a lot better. You're a lot happier and you don't have stomach ulcers either. 
Also, be a good wife. Now, some of you uh, younger ones, I know some that are going to be married in the near future, and some of you choose to be single. That's fine. God has a, a purpose for each one of us. But if you are single and you're planning on getting married, keep these things in mind because sometimes it, if you think about it and you think, ah, no, that doesn't apply to me, you wait till you get married. You'll be surprised at some of these things that will apply to you. <laughs> All right. Say your husband gets laid off his job. Or say he comes home and he says, Honey, I was driving home from work and this big semi pulled out and just demolished our car. Or you have a real nice supper ready and he is two hours late. Your candles are burned down to the candle holders and here you are waiting and the supper's getting cold. Or he comes home and you have plans for the evening and he tells you his plans. So your plans conflict with his. Now these can cause problems, right? <laughs> In all of this, you still need to show him love. You need to under show him understanding. I mean, it wasn't his fault the semi came out and pulled it and, and just hit him. Maybe not. Maybe it was, but still you've got to be understanding anyway, right? <laughs> okay. Also, don't get in the habit of fussing. I know some people can get, it's just, it seems like it's just a way of life with them to fuss at their mate. And I remember when a few years ago, I say a few years ago, it may be five or six years, maybe ten years ago now, when I was growing up, I never heard my mom and dad argue. Of course, my dad was a truck driver, and he was gone quite a bit. But he, they never argued, even when dad came home. And so we moved away to Wisconsin, and we went home one year. And mother and dad, I couldn't believe it. They were just fussing. Every little thing dad would do, mother would fuss at him. Every little thing mother would do, he, he would fuss at her. And I noticed the same thing with Brother Grant's mom and dad. They got in the habit of fussing at each other. And just, like he couldn't find his socks. And she'd say, well, what do you expect me to do? The world's falling apart and you're worried about your socks. And just little nit nitpicky stuff, you know. And they, what happened? They just got in a habit. And when we left to go back home, I told Brother Grant, I said, you know, that bothers me. Because... I think it's terrible when we get in the habit of just fussing. I don't think we can be happy if we have to constantly find fault with someone. I think if we get to that point, we really need to get back down on our knees and really pray and ask God to help us overcome that because that's a terrible habit to get into. No woman does her housework with real joy unless she's in love with the man of the house. <laughs> I don't know if that was good or bad. <laughs> Brother Grant liked that part. He asked me, he said, do you do housework with real joy? Also, be a good mother. The Bible commands the older women, mothers included, to be examples. We're to teach the younger women and our daughters to be domestic. 
Now, we're living in a world now that if you go up to a door, most women in the world, if they go up to a door and a man opens the door for them, they get offended. It doesn't bother me for a man to hold the door open for me, does it you? <laughs> Someone says, I like that. <laughs> In fact, I got so used to opening the door by myself, not with Brother Grant with me. He always opens the door for me. But when my brother came up from Texas, he got on to me because one day we were shopping. Well, he's my brother. I just reached out to open the door. And, oh, he jumped all over me. He said, don't you ever do that. He said, my daddy taught me to always open the door for ladies. So it doesn't hurt the man to open the door for you. And if they volunteer, don't knock it. Just accept it, say thank you, and walk right on through. We need to learn, uh, not learn, we need to teach our girls, like I said, how to cook. We need to teach them how to set a table, how to be a good hostess. And some of these things, some of these things may seem real small, and some people say, well, I'm going to the mission field. It doesn't really matter. It does matter. We were over at the Leeward Islands with Brother and Sister Shirley, and listen, she'd set the table for us like we were the king. I mean, it doesn't matter where you are. You can still set a nice table. And you may be in the jungles. You may have an apple crate for a table, but you can still set a nice table because it's your husband that you're doing it for, and you're, learning, you're just wanting to please him. When there are two or three, when the kids, you're, even the little kids, when they're two or three years old, okay, you buy them um, stoves to play with, you buy them sinks to wash their dishes with, you buy them dolls to play with. They put their babies to bed, and they go around going, shh, baby's sleeping, you know. They do this because they learn. They watch you. And you'd be surprised when these, ch these children are small what they can pick up from their parents. I know our son is living with us right now, him and his wife and little girl, because they're building a home and they haven't got it finished. And I watch Lana a lot. And she picks up little things. She'll watch her papa and she'll, like brushing her teeth, she's picked up what they do when they brush their teeth, and she does this. And I watched her the other day, and she'd walk around, and she'd put her little hand on her hip like this, and she'd put her hand out like this. And I thought, now, where did she get that? Well, then I got to watching her mother, and her mother does this. <laughs> so I told Roy, he was acting crazy one day, and I said, look, Roy, you better watch out. I said, you've got a daughter down here that's all eyes. He said, oh, she doesn't know. I said, you'd be surprised what she knows. And you'd be surprised what she'll learn to say that comes out of your mouth. And you'll wonder, where did she pick that up? But if you think back, you, you remember when you said that. So we have to really watch because we are examples. And whether the children are small or whether they're larger, they do, they do pick up on our habits. And if we're constantly criticizing the pastor or if we're constantly tearing down the saints in the church, your children are grow, going to grow up like that. They're going to pick up that because that's their way of life. That's all they've been taught. And that's all they're going to know, and it's going to be hard to change them. And if they happen to marry someone that is not has not been taught that way, it's going to be hard for them to adjust to each other because she's going to constantly want to do this and he's going to be constantly after her. You can't do that. And it's going to be a, as my husband says sometimes, it's going to be a hard road to hoe when you have to get 
two people together that have such opposites like that, and you have to really change your habits. So it's better to teach them right when they're young than to wait when they get older because it's harder to do that. Also, sometimes working mothers think, well, I work all day, I come home, and I have to correct my child. That child expects you to correct them. We were in a booth last night, and, of course, the lady behind where Sister Bertha was sitting, she was not a Christian, and uh, her language was not the best. But she, we, I determined from that that she was a working mother because she talked about coming home and taking up a stick and beating her child, she says. This was her words. And she says, I get tired of that. Well, you don't have to pick up a stick and beat your child at the minute you walk in the door. And, of course, she was a, evidently she was a divorced mother, so she was just really taking her frustrations out on the young man that was across the table from her. He finally got sick of it, got up and walked away, and here she was begging him for another cup of coffee. And I thought to myself, that is so sad. You know, we have the Lord with us. We have a good Christian home. We have a, most of us have Christian husbands. And if we can't live a good life with all of that with us, we just, I just don't guess we can make it, can we? If we have God for us, who can stand against us? So they do like discipline. They like authority. If you tell a child to do something and, and you don't carry through that, if you, don't, if you say you put that down and they don't put it down, and they're going to test you. If you don't think they will, you're kidding yourself. They'll test you to the limit. But they want to know who is boss. And they're really disappointed if you back down. Because then they just have the rule of the roost, so to speak. And after a while, you're miserable because you don't have control over them. And if you can't control them when they're small, you're not going to be able to control them when they get big. And Because by the time they get to be 9, 10 years old, their, their patterns are already set. And it's going to be a lot harder to correct them. If you have a young boy and, and he's a little bitty tyke, it's a whole lot easier to correct him then than it is when he gets six foot three and 16 and maybe you're four foot 11. Because if your word didn't carry any, if your word wasn't any better when he was smaller, it's not going, he's not going to pay any attention to you when he gets bigger because his it's just it's just embedded in him to do that to be that way. They like to know their boundaries. They like to know what they can do and what they can't do. We need to get together, and this is so important. I wish I had known this when I was first getting married, because there's so many things that that we have seminars on now that we didn't have when Brother Grant and I got married, and I'm sure Sister Trout, Sister. Rogers and Sister Barnett, we just didn't have these type of seminars to help us. We had to just learn it the hard way. In other words, kind of like trial and error. You know, you tried it. If it didn't work, you tried something else. Well, that's confusing to kids. If you try something one way and it doesn't work, then you try it another way. After a while, you're just all confused. So when you get married, you need to sit down before you even have children. And even now, if you have small children, you still need to do it. You need to sit down with your husband and you need to come to 
some decision and agreement on how those children should be raised. Because if you think they should be raised one way and he thinks they should be raised another way, it's going to be real confusing to those children. And maybe he's come from a home that the parents are real strict and they don't allow anything out of line. And maybe you come from a home where your parents are kind of easygoing. You know, well, if you want to, you can. No real discipline. Then you're going to have problems, right? Because you're not going to, you're going to see, you're going to see it the way your parents did because that's the way you were raised. He's going to see it the way his parents did because that's the way he was taught. And I know... It's, it was kind of funny. Our youngest son is getting married just in a couple of weeks, and uh, he's getting their stuff in the apartment. And I told Brother Grant, I said, you know, I said, you don't think your sons learn anything from you, but I said, they do. And our, my daughter-in-law said that it's just, it's almost eerie to see their husbands work because it's almost like Brother Grant's right there in their body instead of them. And they put a chair over in the, she put a chair over in the corner. And he looks at it and he says, you know, honey, I know you're doing your best, but that just doesn't go there. So he goes and he moves it to a different place. Well, that's just like Brother Grant. You know, it's just not that he does me that way all the time, but <laughs> most of the time. <laughs> we uh, just got a new bedroom set and we were going to go and get a comforter. Because I had, in my mind, I had it how I wanted the room done. Well, at the same time, he had in his mind how he wanted the room done. So I thought, well, now, I'd like this and that and the other. And, of course, we have the carpet in there, so we do have to work around the colors that's in the carpet. So we went to the, the store. Well, I didn't really see anything in the store that I really liked. I had found one in the catalog that I really liked, and once you find something you really like and then you try to substitute it, it just doesn't work. So I looked and I looked and I just didn't see anything. Well, we went over to a waterbed place because we had to get some solution to go on the mattress anyway. And he saw these comforters over there. Well, they were pretty, but they weren't practical. To go in a guest room, you don't want silk where babies may be on the bed or children may be on the bed. You want something that, well, to me, I think it's not practical. Now, you might. I don't know. <laughs> but he had his heart set on that comforter. Well, I, I didn't say no and I didn't say yes. I just kind of hung in limbo. Well, he knows me well enough to know I didn't really like it. So he said, well, what do you think? And I said, well, whatever you want. But I, and I turned around and I said, but let me, let me, let's just make a little bargain here. I said, you can get what you want in this room. But I said, when you build my bedroom in the garage, when we transfer, I make that into a bedroom in a formal dining room. I said, let me decorate that room the way I want to decorate it. And he looked at me real funny and he says, you can have anything in there you want. And <laughs> referring to the bedroom we're now decorating. I said, no. I said, I want you to be happy. But I don't know, I have never had a bedroom with blues and grays and, and uh, peach tones in it. And for some reason, I just like that. 
And I'd like to have that in our, new, our, our bedroom. Now, whether he would like it or not, I don't know. Probably not. <laughs> but just little things like that. You, if you don't watch yourself, you can get into a real fight about You know, you could say, I don't like that. And he said, well, I do, and I'm going to get it. And you said, well, I don't care. I don't like it. And after a while, you're just in a, maybe he sleeps on the sofa, and you sleep in the bedroom all by yourself, and you're not happy. He's not happy, right? Now, how many of you can relate to that? Can't, just some little something can happen. You can burn the biscuits if he's not in the right mood, and it can, it can just really throw his whole day off. And it can throw your whole day off because you're not happy because you know you haven't made him happy. And then he said things that he knows didn't make you happy. So, and I'm off the, I'm off the track altogether. This isn't even about discipline. I don't even know why I threw that in. But at the same time, I guess it does go back to agreeing. You do need to agree on discipline with your children because it is just, it can strive it can cause more strife in a marriage than any other thing because you can pretty well settle on bedspreads or comforters or things like that. But when it comes to molding a life, that is so important. And it, it's really important to that child because that child does not need to go through life being confused. And another thing, too, and I'm going to throw this in. I don't even have it in my notes. Do not argue about correcting your children in front of your children. Because if they know, and even when they're little bitty, now I know even Lana, she's only two, but if her mother comes in and doesn't agree on a certain thing with her dad, Lana picks up on that. Your child will do that. All children do. They know when mother, they can sense it, when mother doesn't really go along with dad making them do certain things. And it's really surprising. I think Brother Grant's harder on her than any of us, but she loves him. And every coffee cup in the house is pawpaws. You don't touch coffee cups. Those are pawpaws. And certain things are pawpaws. And the first thing she does when she walks in the door, she wants to know where Papa is. She doesn't ask for Mommy or Daddy. She wants to know where Papa is. And so it just goes to show that if you are, you are disciplining those, those children, they will respect it, and they'll love you for it. They really will. I've got a, a little poem here, and then I'm going to quit. It's got, I am unique in this world. I am a distinct personality, completely separate from any other in the entire world. No person thinks exactly like I think. Now, sometimes aren't you glad? <laughs> no other person feels exactly like I feel. And no other person talks exactly like I talk. And I'm sure you're so glad you don't talk like me, right? <laughs> Scientists now believe that even my voice print is unique and like my fingerprints, can be used to positively identify me. Yes, God has created only one me. No one else has my same mind, my same temperament, my same body, my same abilities. God has endowed me with a particular set of characteristics which no other person possesses. 
I have thoughts, wishes, dreams that are mine alone. I live alone inside my body, walls of flesh and bones looking out at the rest of the world through my two eyes. Although I am strangely separated from others, yet I am not alone.